Thank you for joining us today. This is Arvind Chaudhary, President of Nedison Technologies. And for over 15 years, we've been advising and advocating on behalf of medium and large enterprises like yours. Today, the most pressing issue we hear about is the need to find affordable solutions to enable employees to securely and productively work from home. We have created this podcast series to address the many concerns and questions we're hearing, not just from our clients, but also from organizations like yours. I will be speaking with subject matter experts from our portfolio of suppliers that have relevant solutions. We will discuss practical strategies that can help your organization quickly and affordably work from any device, anywhere, anytime. Today's episode is focused on business risk and cybersecurity. This is an area that many of the C-level executives are concerned about. The cybersecurity threats were already high, but with COVID-19 pandemic, it has increased significantly. With the majority of corporate employees working remotely, the cyber threat landscape has expanded dramatically. According to a recent study published by OpenVPN, 90% of respondents said that remote workers are a security risk to the organization, and 73% of VP and C-suite IT leaders believe remote workers pose a greater risk than on-site employees. Today, I will be speaking with Dominic Singer. He is one of our leading experts in business security. He has over 25 years of experience in IT and security, working with well-known global organizations. He holds numerous security certifications, such as CISM, CCSK, CRISC, CISSP, GSEC Gold, COBIT, and more. Hi, Dominic. Thank you for joining me today. How are you hey, doing? Hey, good afternoon, Arvind. I'm doing quite well. Hope the same for you. Yes, yes, wonderful. Thank you. So, so Dominic, let's dive in and discuss the challenges that CXOs of companies face today, given today's remote worker requirement that was rapidly thrust upon companies as a result of the pandemic. So please help me understand the following. The first question I had was, what sort of new risks do you see being introduced in the corporate environment, given the recent massive shift towards work from home imperative? Well, it's, an, it's a great question. I'm actually going to give you an interesting answer, and there's going to be two different answers. Uh, the first I would say is that, you know, actually new risks haven't been introduced. I know that's going to sound outlandish and surprising to a lot of folks in the audience, uh, but hear me out. Uh, in my view, if organizations have done the right things, and I know a lot of them have struggled with this, and now you know, the magnifying glass is on, but you know, if they have done the right things, they've implemented a good security program, they have a holistic mindset in the way that they're approaching security to include the idea of a remote workforce, then there really are no new risks that are introduced. Now, I realize that what I'm talking about is an ideal and sort of the holy grail that's not really out there that much. So I'll answer you even more directly. Uh, you know, there certainly are really new threats that are... Uh, that organizations are exposed to with the new work from home workforce and the, the fact that nearly all employees are working from home. You have operational risks. So an infrastructure, a VPN infrastructure, for instance, that wasn't designed for an entire remote workforce has to be upgraded. 
There may not be enough bandwidth to support both, both business applications as well as remote connectivity. So there's operational risk in terms of can the infrastructure even support the remote users coming into the environment. And then if we think about security risks, now we're talking about a whole new threat vector. We've got potentially untrusted devices, maybe even you know, devices that, uh, that are not company owned that employees are having to use to access corporate infrastructure. And so in there, the all kinds of threats exist. Certainly we have the traditional phishing attempts that are going on. Home users are more susceptible to those. They may feel like they're getting a call from a help desk or an email from a help desk to click on a certain document. If they didn't expect it, they should be aware of those kind of things. And we'll probably talk more about that. I'm not sure what your questions are, but uh, the idea is that home users now are a lot more exposed and they can be an easy point of entry for the malicious actors. And in fact, you know, we work with a lot of different suppliers, a lot of different incident response teams, and we certainly are seeing a big uptick in home users being targeted with phishing campaigns because once malware gets on that workstation, especially if it's an untrusted device and the users may be navigated to websites that had you know, loaded malware in advertising, for instance, then those machines become an easy entry point and essentially a trusted entry point into the organization. So a little bit of a long answer there, but I hope that helped you, Arvin. No, I understand. I totally understand that. Uh, once they get hold of that device, uh, they're going in as a user and uh, do whatever they want in the environment. You got it. Yep. So given, given this new corporate landscape, how can one evaluate and prioritize the decisions to minimize business risk and maintain compliance? Can you also suggest a framework and a practical approach for addressing these concerns? Mm, that's definitely one of my favorite questions. So thank you for asking that, Arvin. Uh, I'm going to hopefully not be too long-winded on this one, but you know, the very first thing to do is, is again, just like good risk management. Now, I understand you know, things are accelerated. You know, organizations need to scramble to get you know, connectivity, to have business productivity, to understand even how they're going to survive in the, in the current environment. Now, I understand that. Uh, and I'm certainly not insensitive to it. But at the end of the day, any good security program is built around this idea of good risk management. And risk management should drive the strategy for an information security program. And we'll talk about a framework in a second. But really what I'm getting at is that organizations should understand their critical risks, their, their critical data, the critical infrastructure that needs to be protected. They should have a solid inventory of all of those critical assets. Those assets are more than just the people, more than just the data. They're also the systems that are serving that data the applications processing the data, the databases processing and storing that information. And then when that information becomes the new currency for a business, you know, now we're talking about the, the very livelihood of an organization. So good risk management is taking a look across and building a framework, you know, we'll talk about one in a second, building a framework to really look at holistically, how effective are we at all of those different layers of security, from physical security all the way up to the very technical application security and everything in between. And so you gotta have good security awareness training, you gotta have good policies, and then you gotta have the enforcement of those policies with both technical and process uh, controls. And so in there, you know, risk management is all about identifying those critical assets, the threats that can affect those assets, whether they live in the cloud, on the premise, or a mixture of both, and then the disaster recovery environments, you know, what those look like and the kind of security that lives in there. So my whole point is that, Really, good risk management and good cybersecurity should be a holistic approach. And again, I know that that sounds lofty. I know it sounds simple, uh, but it's not an easy thing to do. But I can tell you, having been on the front lines for so many years, having worked with organizations, either 
bringing in incident response teams or helping them put programs together, it's so much easier to, to bite the bullet and to think holistically up front and to pick a framework. And, one, and there are great frameworks out there, lots of them. Um, but the one I like to settle on is really the NIST cybersecurity framework because it's an easy framework to understand. It breaks things into five categories. And these categories are, are areas where the same language can be used for both the people implementing the security as well as the executive staff to understand security. And really, it's five key basic areas. It's identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And that is a security program. Now, each one of those areas has different functions and different control objectives, if you will, and different routines. But if you implement a program like that, now you've got the ability to really withstand any new event, you know, whether it is this massive shift of working from home, whether it is a new cybersecurity threat facing an organization. You've put in the right protective controls. You've made the assumption that those are going to fail. So you put in the right detective controls, the right response when detection identifies an issue in the environment, and the right ability to recover. And again, all of that goes back to risk management because one of my things I'm most passionate about, and I know I'm kind of long on this answer here for you because it's just extremely passionate about it. You know, there is no such thing as perfect security. There is good enough security. And this is a mantra I learned years ago. And what we mean by that is a, an effective risk management, an effective risk evaluation that is not a one and done, but is done on a continuous basis. So organizations right now should take a step back and really do uh, either leverage a third party for risk assessments or perform their own internal risk assessments to make sure they really understand what those critical assets are, where they live, the threats that can affect those assets, and then go back through this life cycle of identifying, protecting, detecting, responding, and recovering to the cyber threats and to protect yourself against them. So a lot more I could get into, but uh, the NIST cybersecurity framework is just one I'm extremely passionate about because I think it makes things really simple for senior leaders to, to really drive a strategy for cybersecurity. Yes, yes. And I totally agree. And I think uh, we could do a whole new podcast just on the framework uh, topic, and we will do that. So, so uh, we know that our audience is getting bombarded with all kinds of vendors offering all kinds of free or sometimes not free options to solve the work from home problem. If you had any advice in navigating this, what would that be? Hmm. Great question, Arvind. So, you know, this is, this is, um, it's a little bit tough and I understand, you know, there are certainly great suppliers out there who are offering the ability to really ramp up on their services and leverage them, you know, for the short term uh, for no cost. And then of course, the thing is to be eyes wide open, though that certainly uh, those services can't be offered indefinitely for free. Uh, it is a way to help organizations keep up and running, but like them, like the organizations that are being serviced by that free service, those organizations also need revenue. And so there will be a time where that bill will need to come due and being good corporate citizens, you know, we should be paying those bills. So if I were to think about, you know, sitting in the executive seat and getting bombarded by massive amounts of emails, massive amounts of sales calls, and you know, even my own people telling me they've got certain vendors they want me to talk to, uh, I really, first of all, would really settle back into number one, slow down, right? Let's all be calm. I understand we need to get things up and running now. I respect that. I'm sensitive to it. And, and at the end of the day, the business is driving my behavior in managing IT infrastructure and security being a subset of that. So let's all slow down. Do we have a trusted advisor from whom we've bought securities or any information, uh, information technology solutions over the years? If we have that trusted advisor, let's lean on them first. 
let's reach out to them. We have the relationships. We have the contracts in place. We've built a relationship with them where we trust and rely on their opinion. And we know that potentially they can bring in several different suppliers. And they probably have experts behind them. So if we have that trust advisor, let's see if we can lean on them first. That's the very first thing I would like to do. If we don't have that, then let's take a step back and let's really understand, okay, the most immediate thing that we need to offer to our employee base is availability. So our most immediate concern is building a solution where we can provide that remote access, whether it is deploying a virtual desktop solution, whether it is buying VPN services, whether it is scaling up existing VPN services. The conversation is all about availability. So in slowing down and thinking through, there's gonna be a lot of vendors and it's, it's very common in these kind of environments that'll pop up and say we can solve all kinds of problems. You wanna go with a mature player that's been in the space a long time, a brand that you can trust, that you know has uh, the, the wherewithal to, stand, to withstand the current economic conditions because the last thing you wanna do is make a ad hoc choice for an immediate need and then that organization that you bought from is going out of business in a couple of months or a couple, less than a year. So uh, there's a lot to go into that. There, Arvind, I don't know if that helps you, but uh, let me know if you'd like me to clarify a little no, more. No, no, no. I think that's, that's great. I think what I get out of this thing is for the organizations to kind of step back and, and really work with a trusted advisor that's not selling a particular widget or a solution to them, but they're an advisor, they're neutral, and they can bring in whatever the right approach is after the assessment is done as far as what the needs are, and then bring those players into the play. Exactly. Um, Unbiased opinion. Yep. Yes, yes. So, so um, are the traditional VPN services uh, offering adequate security countermeasures? What challenges are you seeing with the traditional VPN solutions? And uh, hmm. how well do these solutions integrate with uh, bring your own devices or BYOD? Oh, well, that last one is a big animal. That could be its own podcast in itself. So let me go back to, uh, well, let's go back to your first question, right? The new risks that are being introduced into the environment. You know, VPN certainly can be that new risk that is introduced uh, threats into the environment because, you know, a VPN simply provides, a traditional VPN solution simply provides a secure pathway into an organization. And typically, once a user gets authenticated, even if they're using two-factor credentials, Depending on the segmentation and, again, the holistic view that an organization has, has used in deploying security, once that connection is established, it typically remains uh, up for hours and hours, depending on you know, what timeout and what configurations uh, values have been set in that VPN system. And so it's potentially a very easy launch pad for, organization, for, for the bad actors to get into an organization. And now, Again, there's a lot more we could tease out in that piece there that really gets into this whole idea, again, of, of segmented strategies, a good vision around your entire security strategy, you know, not just protecting because the idea of setting up a VPN solution is, well, we're going to protect access into our environment. Well, we need to assume that protection is going to fail. So now we need to have heightened detective capabilities around that VPN infrastructure, around any data that is accessible by any of those users uh, coming in through those VPN environments. Because very, one of the most common attack vectors and about 60 plus percent of the attacks that we see, the credentials, it's, it's a, a stolen credentials that are used. And so it could be an authorized account that's accessing systems or data, but it it's unusual. Maybe there's large amounts of data coming out of that that are being taken out of those servers and databases and pulled across that VPN to the home user. So in detection, that's a very unusual activity that should be investigated. So 
so my whole point is going back to another one of your questions, you know, implementing a right framework is and, and not spending a bunch of money in just one area like protection, but holistically looking at good detective capabilities, good response capabilities, you know, being able to see when massive amounts of data are moving, being able to see when credentials are being used in places that you don't expect them to be. All of these things are really important. And again, it's a long question here, but last piece around BYOD. You know, that's going to be the biggest attack vector because now you've got untrusted devices and in, in your rush, very respectfully, totally understand it right. Operational uh, availability is the most important thing. You got to get these users back online and, and accessing into your corporate environment. And you might need to deploy a VPN tool on a untrusted device, the BYOD concept. And so now, you know, do you even have the ability to screen that device and screen the traffic before that device is allowed to connect into your VPN infrastructure? You know, these are some important considerations. And now BYOD, I think, takes on a really heightened uh, awareness that executives need to think about because that's really, as I look to the, to the future, I think that's going to be the, the, the evolving landscape that we're going to see is BYOD is going to be the norm. And we need to think about how do we, you know, consider that an untrusted device and interrogate it before it's allowed onto our network and have heightened detective capabilities around anything that's coming from that untrusted device or network. I hope that wasn't too long for you, Arvind, but that's- Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, let me, let me uh, uh, summarize that. So I think what, what you're really saying is that if you have an untrusted device or an employee's own uh, laptop and they're using that, <clears throat> accessing the corporate network through VPN and a threat actor has actually compromised that end device, now, whatever credentials that user is using to access that network, those credentials are available to the threat actor to have access to all those resources. You got it right. And I would go even a step further and say another one of the bigger challenges, and again, this is, uh, you know, we could do a whole different podcast on this alone. But, you know, now with that BYOD device, when it's not on the VPN network and you don't have any sort of endpoint security on that device, you know, and now the user is at home and unknowingly, you know, just goes out and wants to buy the latest thing from a website. And there happens to be an advertisement placed on that website that is loaded with malware. You know, and then when that machine, you know, and nobody knows it because there's no endpoint security on that device. And now, you know, that, that user doesn't know, uh, nobody knows, there's no endpoint security to alert the user. And if there is, if it's more advanced malware, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't it would get past most malware there detectors, although there's some great solutions out there that can solve for that. You know, now that, user then connects the corporate VPN and that's how the malware gets into the enterprise. So again, we could do a big pod podcast on just that topic alone. All right. All right. Well, I get it. Thank you. So say in a few weeks, uh, the short term dust has settled and the organizations have managed through the bumps and bruises of setting up the work from home users. There is maybe a chance to pause and consider what are some of the things you'd say are the most important considerations? Well, Arvind, again, this goes back to uh, sort of my theme here that hopefully everybody is, uh, you know, picking up on. I intentionally repeat myself a few times just because I think they're so important. And, and I do it lovingly because I've just been in the industry a long time and I think a lot of things go back to the basics. And so, you know, when the dust settles and, and we realize that, you know, okay, we've got all of our users available, uh, we've got all of our services available to all of the folks that need access to it. You know, and maybe we had to open the floodgates and give access to everything for everybody. Well, now we need to take a step back and really, you know, bringing them up and start cleaning things up. We need to start tightening down access control. You know, should the, are we sure that the users have only least privilege implemented? You know, they only have access to the systems and the data that they need to have access to and nothing else. 
Do we have the right detective capabilities around the use of credentials across the enterprise to see your anomalous user behavior? And back to de detective controls, do we have the right awareness and the heightened awareness around those new entry points like the VPN infrastructure uh, to understand when there looks to be suspicious behavior or early indicators of compromise? And you can only do this by a holistic approach. You know, you can't buy point solutions and try and stitch together that visibility. So in this idea of taking a step back and, and really pausing, you know, this goes back to one of my mantras that I've, I've just said for many years, you know, protection is ideal, but detection is a must. This is a mantra that a lot of us in the security industry have used, and, and it doesn't change even though we've got you know, the massive shift to working from home. And so now that we're pausing, you know, let's take a step back and let's all assume, okay, we've built a great protective posture or we've ramped up this new protective environment. Let's talk about we've created a whole new virtual desktop world for, for, for 1,000 users or for 500 users or whatever the case is. Well, now we need to think about hardening those virtual desktops. You know, the, does data persist on the disks, right? We need to take a holistic view and our security professionals that we have on staff really need to take a step back and say, okay, we've, we've gotten availability taken care of. Users are, are relatively happily performing uh, and, you know, productive. Now we need to take a look at, can we do a better job of monitoring bad things happening to our infrastructure, bad things happening to our data, bad things happening with user accounts. That to me would be the, the priority that of, of events I would take. Got it. Got it. Okay. So since uh, the work from home effort was mostly about ensuring productivity, keeping employees safe and connected to the corporate network, applications and environments. How do you see security coming in and mopping up after all this chaos? Oh, okay. So that goes back to great. So I can, I can expound even further. <laughs> so <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's again, it's, it's just like when I used to be in the military, right? The most important thing is maintaining a sense of calm and being that voice of reason and realizing that as a security professional, your mission, your core mission, is availability of services, of information, and of systems to the right users. And that's always top of mind. And now within that, that's your business conversation. And so in doing this cleanup concept, right, now you need to think about, well, did we have to deploy? Do we have to allow BYOD? Do we have to loosen our standards around what we allow to connect our corporate infrastructure? Okay, that's step maybe two. Uh, taking a step back to step one, I think probably the most important thing now, you know, now that the dust has settled, is security awareness and training. And I know corporations have typically had these programs in place in some way, shape, or form, but it is most important now to revamp that program. If it's only 30 minutes, if it's an, only an hour that you take out of the employee's time, it's so important for the employees to understand that there are new phishing attempts if they don't know what those are, they should learn what those are. The entire employee base can be the early warning system for an organization when they're being targeted with threats or when something bad happens on their, on their workstation. They don't, they don't understand why the performance isn't working anymore. There needs more heightened sensitivity around help desk calls. You know, if we see an increase in users whose devices are, are all of a sudden acting sluggish, you know, that's maybe not a memory issue. It's maybe not a hard disk issue. It's maybe something that needs to be looked into in terms of processes that are being exploited on the device. So security awareness training is really step number one. After all the noise that's going on right now, we need to acknowledge the fact that bad actors are not changing their game. 
We still see it with a number of the suppliers we work with that perform incident response that the bad actors are in fact using COVID-19 as an avenue uh, to fish for health information, to fish for access, and to use all kinds of different techniques to trick users into clicking on a link. And it happens that easily. Or opening up a document, thinking it's a wire transfer, you know, coming from the CFO. If they didn't expect it, they should be picking up the phone call. So, and calling that CFO and saying, hey, did you send me this document? And that all goes back to good security awareness training. So to me, that's step one. And then step two is really taking a look at, you know, now that we've opened up access to our environment, how can we better detect and monitor and manage uh, all of that access? And who's accessing what, whether it's systems or whether it's people. And then from there, again, back to that idea of that holistic program, you know, if, you've, if you haven't put a program in place, and it doesn't have to be expensive. You can start small and start building these pieces, but this is how you get the visibility, the strategy, right? You identify those critical assets. You identify the program to protect those assets, the detective capabilities, the response capabilities, the recover capabilities, and then that's an infinite cycle that keeps feeding itself, and that's how you become adaptive and resilient to 21st century cybersecurity threats. That's awesome. Awesome. And you know, when you wrap it all up, uh, in, in the words of a, one of the chief security officers that I had conversation with, is that his role is to protect the corporate brand. Because that corporate brand, everything else underneath it, when that gets compromised, you are talking about billions of dollars worth of damage, just from that losing that trust from the customers. Wow. And, and uh, pretty significant uh, uh, business implications. Yeah. So, so given that, what, what's the one thing C-level people could do today that can make these organizations more secure and stay in compliance with the preponderance of government regulations? You know, Arvind, that's a, that's a big question. That's hard to answer in just a couple of minutes here. I'd say the, the very first thing, again, back to my military training is uh, stay calm. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of folks coming in and saying, man, if you buy our solution, everything's going to be great. You know what? Point solutions, it's what's got us into this mess of continued breaches already, yeah. even in the normal state of affairs. So stay calm. Take a look at, do you have a program in place? What does that program look like? How are you driving the strategy? How are you even defining the strategy around your cybersecurity spend? Certainly budgets are going to be tightened, no question about it. But as we've talked about, the attackers have heightened their game. You know, they've certainly stepped up their attacks because they know there's a lot of home users. In fact, majority of folks are working from home, very easy points of entry into an organization. It's more important than ever to have a holistic approach to cybersecurity. And I know it's a theme I've harped on many times here throughout this call, but you gotta put a program in place. Choose a framework, whatever the framework is, but don't let compliance drive your strategy. You define your own strategy by choosing the right framework. I love NIST, the NIST cybersecurity framework, because I think it's easy it's simple to communicate risk across the organization, and it's a thoughtful way to put in a security program in all kinds of different levels of uh, sophistication. So that would really be my one, uh, two bits of advice. Stay calm, and then take a really solid look at what you have in place today in terms of a program, not pieces and parts, not piecemeal solutions, but what do you have as a program? And if there was ever a better time than now, I don't know it, but now's the right time to take a step back and say, you know what, let's get serious about putting in a program because we've got a lot of point solutions. This is going to continue to be an evolution of, of challenges for us. 
we need to really be smart and adaptive to it. So a program will help us with that. Those are my parting thoughts. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and I look forward to our continued conversations. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, Arvind. Yeah. In, in, in our future podcasts, we will interview the executives of companies with unique solutions in the areas of cybersecurity, business continuity, work from home, and other solutions that could add massive value to our audience. And if the listeners would like to get more information relating to this podcast or contact us, please access it on our website at www.natacent.com forward slash cybersecurity one, number one. Natacent is spelled N-A-D-I-C-E-N-T. Thank you very much for listening. Want to know more? Subscribe to our podcast for weekly conversations with industry experts addressing your questions about remote workforce, security, and compliance. Have any questions or want a free phone consultation? Please reach out to us at advisor at medicine.com, spelled N-A-D-I-C-E-N-T. Thank you for listening.